1: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better on this special Valentine's Day episode in the red corner. It's a bug's life, as a scientist downs a bottle of champagne and decides to try out his teleportation device for the very first time. Turns out that wasn't the best idea, as Jeff Goldblum finds out it's a case of fly me to the gloom in 1986's The Fly.
0: There is a limit, even to the imagination, where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears.
3: Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through... Something went
0: wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those
3: weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I, I had them analysed. But they were definitely not human.
2: While in the blue corner, they
3: say beauty is only
2: skin deep. Well, this movie puts that theory to the test with a villain who literally has no skin. But he doesn't let that knock his confidence with the ladies. It's Clive Barker's directorial debut from 1987. Hellraiser. Hellraiser,
0: beyond any terror you have imagined, a nightmare, no. unlike anything you have witnessed,
2: is born. So what connects these two movies, and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. Happy Valentine's Day week. I'm Alex Zane.
1: I'm Vicky Crompton.
2: I'm Chris Tilly. And as you just heard, in celebration of Valentine's Day, we are doing the Fly versus Hellraiser, guys, lady and gentlemen. Happy Valentine's
4: Day week. What is the connection? I've got one. Is it Valentine's Day that you keep saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no, I didn't think of that. Right, you ready? Mm. It's actually it actually works on two levels. Ready? Mm-hmm. The course of true love never did run smooth. Yeah, get mm-hmm. it? Because of Jeff Goldblum's bumpy fly face mm-hmm. and a pinhead. Oh,
2: and also because of the sort of the, the film of sort of fluid that ah. that is all over Frank's body Which, throughout Hellraiser. Then that would
1: be very smooth. Like if you put a coin on his head. Oh yeah, okay. It would just roll off.
2: It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it still opposites. works. Yeah, yeah. Is it?
4: Don't look at me. <laughs> I feel like they both say that,
2: well, or they, they both should. allude well, they to that. I don't think they say it like that. I think it's more like,
4: don't look at me.
2: I think they go, don't, oh, yeah, don't look at me.
4: I'm i monster. I guess Hellraiser is, don't look at me. Yeah, he is. But, yeah. but um, uh, the fly, what, how does he say it? I don't think he does say it. Okay. That.
2: I think it's more sort of, help me.
4: Yeah, it is yeah. help me.
2: Any of the guesses? <laughs> no. No. Nope. Just one each this week. All right, cool. The actual connection is, if you are ready... So, yeah, Lady Gaga provided uh, the inspiration for this with her uh, tuneful song, Bad Romance, um, because both of these movies do involve quite a bad romance. Mm. Yeah, we got that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You there? 20 minutes later. (laughs) Uh, All right, then. So uh, tell me, before uh, we progress, uh, did you enjoy my choices this week? Yeah,
1: I'm really excited about this, actually. I like both of them very much. First watch? Uh, not for the fly, um, but I saw it when I was very, very young. And, you know, there's always a film where you saw it when you were too young and it scared you to death, so mm. I hadn't seen it. And it really frightened me because I think I only saw the vomit bits and things like that. And I was about six, so it wasn't, I wasn't supposed to see it. So I've not watched it again until last night.
2: And Hellraiser?
1: So I'll, I'll tell you when we get to. I've got so much weird, <laughs> I've got strange history with that film, but I'll save it.
2: All right, Chris, how about you? Both of them I imagine you've seen.
4: <laughs> yeah, but I was, I was too scared to watch horror films when I was a kid. So I saw them both when I was in my teens. Mm. But I feel like The Fly was... I mean, Hellraiser, I don't think we were that aware of it as kids in the 80s. But The Fly you're looking like you're going to disagree with me but the fly was a big one i think it mm. was the film like you were challenged to see or people would talk about it mm. have you seen there's a film where someone vomits on someone's arms and mm. it melts
3: <laughs> <laughs> like that
4: was i remember those conversations and it was one of those things that you were like dead to watch almost <laughs> yeah.
2: well i i i really remember hellraiser from the 80s because of the poster mm, i remember seeing do you remember the poster yeah, yeah. yeah i didn't see it until i was a little bit older but i do remember that iconic poster mm. of just pinhead there. Yeah. Done mm, holding a box, wasn't it? It was him standing there holding the box. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. And The Fly, I remember watching it, but I'm guessing I was of an age where it either didn't scare me, because I was older, or it just didn't scare me. I just remember The Fly, and I was really not looking forward to watching The Fly again, because I remember the ending. And it's a sad, sad, sad heartbreaking ending, and mm. that's why I wasn't looking forward to it. The first half, I prefer. I, I enjoyed it more this time, because I was prepared, but it's that bit at the end. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, Alright then, so Victoria, you had Hellraiser. Chris, you had the fly. We do it chronologically, which means, Christopher, you start us off.
4: Can I apologise for my introduction first? I had to write it a bit hungover on the tube during rush hour. I'm not sure how this is going to go.
2: All right, strap in.
4: I know a young scientist who became a fly. We all know why he became a fly. Perhaps he'll die. I know a young scientist who puked on an arm. It caused alarm when he puked on an arm because he caused harm. (laughs) I know a young scientist who became a fly, became a fly called Seth Brundle fly, and then he died. That was it. Chris, that
1: was amazing. Really? Honestly. I was that super
4: was... embarrassed about that. Do not be embarrassed. And I was really hoping no one was looking over my shoulder seeing what I was writing, because I would have looked insane. Yeah, did you, they would
1: have moved. Did you turn
4: around and everyone on the carriage <laughs> was crammed down, down one end?
2: end. <laughs> um, all I can say is drink more, Chris. Yeah,
1: <laughs> honestly, best work.
2: <laughs> drink more. Uh, a great introduction. You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated,
1: aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's
0: happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on.
3: What does the disease want?
0: wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pipe with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to It could be contagious.
3: Be afraid.
2: Be very afraid. Tell us a little bit about uh, what goes on in this because I'd
4: forgotten a lot of it, especially the start, the buildup. Well, as a kid, um, I'd watched, I watched the Vincent Price one. Right, I did too, which is where all this comes from. Have you seen the Vincent Price one? No. It's not good. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a bad, it's a famous so called classic. It's just a bad horror film.
2: Well, in its defense, it was made in 1958. Yeah. And uh, while this one, uh, The Fly. David Cronenberg's version went on to win best Oscar for makeup. That one didn't because it's, it's like a cartoon head on a fly
4: and a fly's arm. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean it is based we have Playboy to thank for this film by the way. Do we? Because the original, <laughs> the, original the original short story was in Playboy. Do the we, fly. Do we really? Do yeah. we have to thank them? I we mean, literally both, do. Yeah. They one, paid for the story.
2: For one short story do we still have to
4: thank?
1: Them? <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, so, yeah, but it ends up being a human with a fly head and hand. Mm. Okay. And then at the end, it's a fly with a human's head. Do a y- little fly. Yeah.
2: It's- the end is disturbing, though. Did you not find the end disturbing? In the 1958 yeah. original, it's like it's a t- the tiny fly with the human's head, the scientist's head, is trapped in a spider's web, and there's this huge spider advancing on it. Yep. And it's screaming in this tiny fly voice, Help me! Help me! And the guy just gets a rock and
4: kills it before the spider can kill it. It's it was pretty harrowing. Yeah, the rest of it's bollocks, but that bit's really good. <laughs> and the other person we have to thank for it is Mel Brooks. Okay, mm. because Mel Brooks produced this. They uh, they're, they're produ- uh, a different producer wanted to pull the money together to make this. Didn't know Fox said well, we will distribute this, but we won't give you the money. And he went to Mel Brooks, and Mel Brooks liked the script. He said the script was bad, but the idea was good. Mm. And it ended up with our old friend. David Cronenberg. Yeah, well, Mel Brooks um, apparently
2: is the one who came up with one of the most iconic taglines, I think, in movie history. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, other taglines, which one of them is really good, which I like as well. Uh, something went wrong in the lab today. Very wrong. <laughs> That's good. Kind
1: of on a theme, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> L- less,
2: less good is half man, half insect,
4: total terror.
1: I like that. Really? I like The rule of three, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I think I just
2: heard Robocop.
4: In my <laughs> head, <laughs> So they, they pitched it to Cronenberg, who was interested, but couldn't actually direct it because he was making Total Recall. Yeah. And then that all fell apart because he had a big argument with Dino De Laurentiis, as most directors seem to do. And so he was able to come on board, rewrite the script, although it feels like a David Cronenberg idea because of all the body horror. But he said he actually didn't bring any of that to the story. That was all already there. Mm. He just brought the uh, love triangle element to it, which is really what makes the film work.
2: It does, yeah, because Gina Davis is a journalist at the start and she meets Jeff Goldblum at some kind of scientist's convention. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that she says, when she's like, I'm going to, nice chat, I'm going to move on because I've got other stories. Yeah, she's very clear. She does make out at the start, I am a journalist covering this conference. And then when they get back to his and she goes, wow, you've got a teleportation device that actually works in your lab slash warehouse flat, very trendy. Um, you've got this at works. I'm probably going to write it up. And he goes, You're a journalist? Yeah. I'm like,
4: he acts like he's shocked.
1: Yeah. Does he also say, when he meets at the convention, he's like, Come back to mine, I'll make you a coffee. Um, does he say, because I hate this if it's true, does he say, I've got an espresso machine? Because I heard it and I was like, I should rewind it, but I really can't be bothered. And I hate it when people say espresso.
2: How do you feel about cappuccino? <laughs>
1: It's disgusting.
4: (laughs) But as you say, it it starts at that party and literally the first line of the film is, what am I working on? Something that will change the world and human life as we know it. That is going in hard, isn't Ah, it? With your opening. I love
1: that. Like, just get to it.
4: (laughs) And he's literally, the next line is, is expresso (laughs) slash, do you want to come back and see my telepod? Which is a hell of a chat line. (laughs) And so begins this love triangle. So as you said, we've got Jeff Goldblum plays a scientist called Seth Brundle. Mm. She is a journalist called Veronica (laughs) Quaithe. Just very quickly, you know, we talk about how IMDb trivia is sometimes
2: just people have gone, "Uh, this sounds funny, I'll put it in as a trivia. Uh, Someone wrote, uh, uh, Seth Brundle, David Cronenberg, named him after the Formula One driver, Martin Brundle.
4: (laughs) What a load of bollocks. (laughs) And then you've got her ex-boyfriend slash boss who's called Stathis Boran. <laughs> yeah. Mm. They weren't messing about when they came with the names for this film. No. no. In this film. Um, what I did notice this time for the first time, though, is that journey from the party to the flat. He, he's feeling sick and she says, have you drunk too much? And he says, no, I get motion sickness. Yeah. That's what the film's about. He's doing this experiment because he gets motion sickness and he wants to travel places without having to be in a car or a plane. Why do you look so surprised? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never noticed that before. But that's
1: the worst thing about it. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, I really I hate think That's that. really clever. I, I like it's it. It's not clever at all. Like, you don't need to give the character, like, if you are a scientist and you think you might be able to create a teleportation device, you don't need a backstory where you've you to. Got got you do. Who's going to
2: bother otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love it. I do love it if he sort of came up with the plans. And went, I could actually build a teleportation device. You know what? I love air travel, though, so I probably (laughs) won't bother. Just put that to one side, make an espresso machine. (laughs) A sentient espresso
4: machine. So he's invented teleportation, and he says to Gina Davis... Uh, I will show you how it's done. I need an object from you. <laughs> yeah. Now, if someone said that to you, what would you give them?
1: Well, she goes to take her shoe off, so give him the fucking shoe. But so she doesn't, like, does she, Vicky? What dure- does she do? She takes off uh, a silk stocking. <laughs>
4: Which takes ages because her legs are so long. Of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he handles that quite well. I mean, it's a weird moment because it's like, is this going to happen or not happen? It's like, you have just taken your tights I mean, yeah. off. I don't know. But she does.
2: she does find the time to go, I mean, I'm doing this because I never wear jewelry. Yeah. Right? Cause he asked for some jewelry, like yeah. something important, something unique to her. And but the whole point of that, I thought, was the fact that so it's obviously not a trick, it has to be something that I can't have just put in there. It can't yeah. be a magic trick, something common. Yeah. I, like it's like, well, there's only one pair of silk stockings yeah. in the world and could, you have them. It so. could
1: still be a magic trick.
2: <laughs> I like the fact that um, they don't mess about with like stuff that you'd sort of think they'd sort of dwell on. Like she'd go, what? When he goes, I call them telepods. Yes. And she just goes, okay, there's no sort of like, let me explain what telepods are. And then he goes, they're controlled by
4: this Commodore 64.
1: <laughs> well, she's a you're, nature, it, you're so... judging
4: it with modern I eyes. I, I am. That but... was futuristic in 1986. <laughs> um, but the issue with the teleportation is it can only work on inanimate objects. So that's the pro- that's the issue in the movie. Uh, he is experimenting on animals.
1: Yeah. Did you is not this, think it this... would have been funny if <laughs> I was really distracted? But when he, he blows up a monkey, and that's obviously very sad. He turns a, and then... he turns a
2: baboon inside <laughs> he out. A
1: baboon but inside.
2: As, a, as a turn of phrase, blows up a monkey, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather.
1: <laughs> but then he tries it again, and obviously it's like, oh, tension, and there's all this smoke coming out of the telepod. And I thought, just for a minute, I was convinced that the monkey steps out like clever gremlin with a monocle and was like, da da <laughs> it worked. And was like, oh, it hasn't. Oh, well, never
4: mind. So, and, it, and it could have done because the guy that did the visual effects on this is the guy that did the visual effects on Gremlins. And Chris Wallace. On that. Who was going to do Gremlins 2 but decided to do this instead of Gremlins 2 So, okay. and
2: then won the Oscar for this. Really? Which was A wise decision. I, as much as I love Gremlins 2, I don't think it would have won the Oscar for it. But yeah, Chris mm-hmm. Wallace won the Oscar for this and turned down Gremlins 2 to do it. Hey, um, the baboon thing, uh, that is... Kind of, like, it's a great moment. And I actually leaned in when you see the bloody sort of oh, paw yeah. Yeah. hit the glass. You're like, what on earth has happened? And I leaned into my video, uh, video, my video screen on my Commodore 64. <laughs> uh, I leaned in to watch the, it part. And then he goes, well, I can go well. Mm. So I'll probably try it again with a steak. My feeling is probably do the steak first <laughs> and then the baboon. Because if I was that baboon, I'd be pulling my hair out. If I hadn't been turned inside out and didn't have any hair anymore,
4: <laughs> well, I think there is a deleted scene where he does it. He puts a cat and a monkey in there, yeah, and it comes out a deformed cat monkey. And um, David Cronenberg said uh, they had to cut it because audiences um, felt like it deranged the movie, right? Um, yeah, and that you loo- you completely lose sympathy for our so called hero. Okay. Yeah, the producer, Stuart Cornfeld, because it was after a a Toronto screening where
2: they kept that scene in with the mutant cat monkey, cat baboon. um, And uh, Stuart Cornfield said, uh, which is agreeing with what David Cronenberg said, if you beat an animal to death, even a monkey cat, your audience is not going to be interested in your problems anymore. (laughs) shouldn't
1: find that funny. It's horrendous.
4: (laughs) So um, having done the baboon and the steak, he gets drunk and experiments on himself. He has Uh, two
1: glasses of fizz and he's like, Fuck it, let me try. Like two yeah. glasses. We all know
4: someone like that,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because I, I know it's. But it's very clever because it sets up at the party at the start. She goes, "You don't really drink oh, very that's much, true, yeah. do you?" Yeah, that's true. I, but I'm still like, I mean, dude, it's like it's because she's had a glass. I counted. <laughs> I worked it out. Yeah, she's had a glass. He's yeah. had a glass. There's still about a third left. So he's had in the region of a third of a bottle of fizz. Yep. And he's like, I'm going to fucking get my yeah. teleporter.
1: Bearing in mind that he's hungry because she's walked out on their Chinese meal. The first thing he does do is be like, I'm just going to get a takeaway for me because I'm pissed. Mm. I'm not going to teleport myself.
4: He's also really tall and he's clearly been working out for this movie. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it would take quite a lot to get Jeff Goldblum drunk. Mm. They say that his, um, his height
2: and his stature really helped with um, the baboon. Um, because oh, right, yeah. um, just so you know, the baboon is called Typhoon.
1: (laughs) Are you lying? (laughs) No, this is genuine.
2: Typhoon the baboon. And David Cronenberg said, uh, there's no such thing as a tame baboon. They're very volatile and it was quite scary. I bet it was. And the trainer uh, said that it was because uh, Jeff Goldblum was so big and strong that he formed this bond with the baboon. And that's when it runs out and hugs him and he could dominate it. And he said otherwise, there could have been big trouble on the set with some of the female members of the crew. (laughs)
4: Which is a weird thing to say. What? Yeah. yeah. I'm calling bollocks and all of that. Really? Um, Yes. So a fly
2: teleports <laughs> Wait, with him. But it's it, It's in quotation marks about what David Cronenberg said. I treat mm. that as fact. If there's quotation marks, because otherwise you're in a whole world of shit.
4: I think if you've been to the gym, it's not going to make a baboon respect you. <laughs> I'm just And saying. this is from a man who works out. Three hours a day. You'll every find three out. Three hours. Not you? three hours. Um... So, yeah, a fly gets into the teleportation device and so he fuses with fly and his transformation begins. What was your favourite aspect of Seth Brundle's transformation? Because it goes through a variety of stages.
1: Um, Climbing on the ceiling.
4: Climbing on the ceiling.
1: Yeah.
4: Alex, Um, have have any of you experienced any of these things that he goes through? Because.
2: Yes,
1: well, I've, I mean, me, I've grown me, up. me yeah. too.
2: I had a hairy back for yeah, a while. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's
4: true. How coarse was it?
2: <laughs> Not that coarse. I mean, you you didn't need scissors to get through it. I mean, you could just like, uh, yeah. You're lucky then. Wow. But you are an incredibly hairy
4: man. I am, yes. I'm, 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 I'm more ape than human.
2: Yeah, like a massive <laughs> yes, hairy I would,
4: baby. I would definitely respect uh, muscly Jeff Goldblum.
2: <laughs> there are four scenes I remember in this movie, uh, like before I started watching it again, it stuck in my mind. Uh, one is the hair sticking out of his scratch, which I found pretty gross. Mm. Uh, the other is uh, the arm breaking Ugh. during the wrestling thing where the yeah. bone sticks out. That imprinted on my mind. And the other two are to do with his transformation. Mm. One is what you mentioned earlier, dissolving a hand with vomit. Mm. Uh, but the one that sticks in my mind the most is his penis in the bathroom cabinet. What?
1: Oh, yeah. was that his... I did wonder what, what? It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did
2: you know, not remember? Yeah, I remember it's, watching it's it. It's very small time.
1: because mm. it's all sort of curled up. Mm. And my What? M- I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: you see his gold <laughs> Yeah, when all the bits have dropped off him and he opens the bathroom, the Museum of Brundlefly,
4: whatever he calls it, and there's yeah. bits of him in there. And, and he's he- got
1: his ear in a jar. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was just this little slug. Yeah. And then my brain saw it and just thought, no. Yeah. no so no, it's no.
4: not on his body anymore. No, so no, he's no.
1: Put it in, it's in the bathroom cabinet.
4: Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's a dick in a box.
1: <laughs> what about when he and I couldn't watch it, and I think this might have been one of the things that scared me when I was little, but when he's Well I got him. When he's uh, when he's peeling his nails off, mm. like I can't, I can't deal with like obviously because it's a pressure point and it's a point of vulnerability. So mm. teeth, eyes, nails—it's yep. very common to feel so Have you not? Have you not it. had
4: to pull a nail off? Oh. I, I used to have to do it a lot.
1: Why? Because I played Were you in the Spanish Inquisition. No,
4: I played <laughs> hockey, and you'd often get hit on the foot with a stick or a ball. Oh, it
1: was on your foot as well. Yeah, or,
4: or it would happen on your finger, and it would go black. And the best thing to do was get it, pull it off as soon as you could, so it can grow.
0: A new one can grow back.
2: Uh, I had a friend who got uh, ingrowing toenails, uh, like, religiously, uh, as a child. Uh, <laughs> it, was well, a like, it was a <laughs> religious yeah. like, no, thing. It was like stigmata. Uh,
1: every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. weird. It's
2: my religious ingrowing toenail. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, I should say, I've already copyrighted that as a pitch for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Patricia Arquette movie, Stigmata, but with toenails coming off.
1: It did hurt, yeah. I believe. But
2: he had his toenails, his big toenails, chemically removed. So now he has no big toenails. Like it's just the sort of smooth area of scar tissue where they once were. I I didn't mind it, but it was kind of disconcerting when you first see it. It's like, give me a warning. It's like when it's like when Brundlefly vomits over the donut in this and he just goes and she goes, What the fuck? (laughs) He's like,
4: right, right, right. Sorry, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it so often. I've forgotten. (laughs) I love that that is so graphic or such a disgusting concept that not even David Cronenberg will properly show it. So there's a scene. Clearly, Gina Davis has filmed him regurgitating food and then eating it again. We don't get to see it. Stathis Boran sees it on a video. and We just see his expression while he's watching it. Even Cronenberg was like, nope. Yeah. Well, there was a
2: deleted scene where after he dissolves Stathis's foot, Uh, there was a long sequence where his proboscis comes out of his mouth and he starts drinking the fluid oh. out of the stump. Bloody hell. I'm very sorry if anyone's listening to this over breakfast. And not
4: everyone's hungover. <laughs> um, can, we, can we talk about sex? Sure. So have you ever said to a sexual partner or have them say to you... Um, how can you keep going? You can't have any fluid left in your yeah, body. <laughs> what a messed up line! It's really
1: bad. It's a bit of a mood killer. How can you keep going? I need a drink of water. That would be fine.
4: Maybe it was because there
2: was an over familiarity between the two of them, because Gina Davis was Jeff Goldblum's girlfriend at the time uh, of this film, and it was, it was what film
4: did they meet on? Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are Easy. Potential future <laughs> Clash <laughs> pod uh, right, title. Fine. <laughs>
2: Um, but yeah, I wonder whether he she was just like, oh, I remember that joke we did the other night. Let's put it in the script. It sounds oh. like... it's. I mean,
4: I'd be comfortable with it if you'd been with someone for a while. Yes.
2: It's kind of funny.
4: <laughs> so he starts becoming Brundlefly, which I never really liked that term. No, no. I, I feel like yeah. that's a bit clumsy, calling him Brundlefly. I don't mind it. Um, and so this is when it all starts. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And exciting and horrific, but then it starts turning tragic as... Yeah. His humanity drains away. Um, and that's when this sort of romantic comedy horror turns into something of a tragic drama. Yeah,
2: he seems very, very uh, intersex
4: once he becomes uh, part fly. Is that
2: a
1: fly thing? Though?
2: Well, this is, thank you for asking, Victoria. I did look this up. Uh, I was like, are flies horny little shits? <laughs> Are they always after a little bit They're of... They're always on. Well <laughs> A little bit of action. So I typed in fly mating, and um, this is a bit of an eye-opener. I didn't know how flies mated. Um, they do have sexual intercourse as right. as such. Um, I'll explain. Uh, if a female fly wants to mate, she puts her ovipositor inside the male fly's genital opening. You go, girl. Yeah. It's located at the bottom of his abdomen. Uh, the ovipositor is a long, thin tube that ex- extends from the end of the female's abdomen, Uh, When she isn't mating or laying eggs, it stays hidden. Uh, Once it's in place, the male releases sperm which travel up through the female's reproductive tract to fertilise her eggs. The entire mating process, and this is where I felt emasculated by a housefly, lasts from 30 minutes to two hours. (laughs) I was like, flies are having sex longer than me. You don't think that when you see a fly. You think it's in an in and out job? Because everything about them is so Right! Quick. They don't even live that. I mean, so much of their life is spent having sex because they're only alive for like 15 days. Happy days.
4: <clears throat> so their life is having sex and hanging out on Eaten. shit. And pissing <laughs> off. They me. love shit, don't they? They love shagging and shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Berlin fetish club. <laughs> uh, yeah, but do you not find that. I, I honestly. I, it's, I've sort of. In a weird way, all the flies i killed in my life with <laughs> magazines, I suddenly felt a real guilt. I'm like, I sort of thought you were just like, it was quite a tragic existence, smashing against this window, but...
1: I would like to pick you up on that. No one's ever actually killed a fly with a rolled up magazine because you always miss because they're quick.
2: Uh, yeah, I was. I, in fairness, I was on a lot of steroids at the time, <laughs>
1: so I was very quick, but
4: very angry.
1: <laughs> I smashed the window yeah. through. Uh,
4: yeah, I. Speaking um, of sex, though, uh, our our friend Veronica does get preggers.
1: She does.
4: That's a that's a sort of twist.
1: Yeah, two
4: thirds of the way into the film, we get the dream sequence where she gives birth to uh, a maggot. A maggot, which I can remember that being. One of the most shocking scenes. The first time you see it, you do not know that is a dream. It's messed mm. up. Yeah.
1: It's really messed up. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah.
4: And that's David Cronenberg between her legs as well. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's... there's
1: something wrong with that man.
2: He was <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, probably going to cameo for the, uh, the first time in one of my movies. Cool, cool, cool. What bit? Where the maggot comes out of her. Yeah,
1: gynecologist uh, one. Ugh.
2: David you're drooling I'm fine I'm fine So apparently And this I, I call bullshit on this But I'm still going to say it Because I quite like it It was Martin Scorsese Asked to meet David Cronenberg And after meeting him Said he looked like A Beverly Hills plastic surgeon Which inspired David Cronenberg To cast himself as a doctor I've only And then to one make source. Dead Ringers Maybe 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 Other sources say It was Gina Davis's idea Because you know She likes it <laughs> Cool
4: So uh, Brundlefly comes up with a plan and that is to create the ultimate family by merging himself with his girlfriend and unborn child before he turns into full fly. Well, I think he decides that he he wants to return to being a human. Yeah but he can't literally get rid of the fly in him. So he just feels like merging with more and more humans will bring back more humanity to him. He needs to dilute. I mean, he's gone mad. He's a mad scientist at this point, isn't
1: he? I mean, I thought it was... I don't even know if I should say this. I thought it was going to take a very dark turn that she was going to like give him the fetus and then he would like merge (sighs) with that because that would be enough human matter to put him back to normal, and I was really relieved when he was like, "No, no, 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 we'll just be just blend all together." Like I was like, "Thank God for that," because that's the scene I don't want to see. No, yeah.
4: and our, our old friend, our uh, Stathis Boran. Sorry, I just like saying it. <laughs> I couldn't. I
2: couldn't get Stannis Baratheon out no, of I my know. head. The whole thing. I was like, Stannis Baratheon. No, Stathis Boran.
4: But he comes back to uh, save the day. Essentially, How, what were your feelings about Statist Borans? I mean,
1: I don't think that the editor of a respected science journal has a huge shotgun at his disposal. I also, I also <laughs> don't. It <There> is America. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think the
2: editor of Particles Magazine uh, in this day and age would have an office like that because it's like this really harks back to when the print media mattered. you're, yeah. like, you're like you would be. In a cubby
4: hole and like
1: You'd be, be working from home. Right.
4: But he's a f he's a full on uh eighties douche for most of the movie. He yeah. he really reminded me of uh Lewis from Die Hard. Oh yeah. To the point that I felt like he could be his cousin, just yeah. the way he looks and the way he talks.
2: Yeah, he really loses his shit in a shop as well when he finds out they're uh they're oh, boinking yeah. and he's like he's
4: really like he goes full weirdy beardy on him. Yeah, her. he does. Yeah, well he he's um They've broken up but he's break he's still in her flat showering he refuses to give his key back he stalks her he essentially attacks her in a shop yeah th- yes. well he throws a leather jacket that she's holding across the shop floor which Very I think
2: aggressive. I think is quite uh, a statement says,
4: is this for him it's over there now <laughs> You but, can't have it now. <laughs> but does Stathis redeem himself yes. by the end of the film? I think he does, doesn't he? Yes. He agrees to to take. He he could walk well away from this. He
2: bloody should redeem himself as well. <laughs> he is the cause of the whole film because he sends that magazine to the flat. Yeah, and she goes, ah, oh, I'm gonna go deal with this now, and leaving Jeff Goldblum on his own with his massive half bottle of champagne that <laughs> puts him in the teleporter, <laughs> telepod. Sorry, sorry, telepod. It's got a name. It's got a name. Yeah, I uh, I like I like Stathis, and I, I do like I I did think he got his comeuppance enough. I'm glad he didn't die because I think that would have been too much. But I was grinning when he got his appendages melted off. Mm. I was like, "That's good. You need to pay some debt. There needs to be your pound of flesh for what you've done here." Mm. And it's literally a pound of flesh.
4: And so uh, the film ends with our star-crossed lovers um, parting ways as uh Seth begs Veronica to kill him. It's mm, so and, sad. I really. And really she blows him. it to fuck while crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but she sort of hesitates. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you first of all, you. She got loves a, him. Yeah, I know. But you, you really want this abortion? And I think you should just like priorities. Blow his head off. Get your abortion. Get your life back to normal.
2: I quite like the fact they don't overplay that. I can't scene where she's like, she does it once. He, yeah. Like, he points the gun at, her, at mm. his own head, mm. and she goes, I can't. And, like, you're She's like, like oh, is doing? this going to be for fucking ages? This is like Brad Pitt in Seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? But she goes, I can't. It's like there's a heartbeat before she actually does it. And then
4: it. that's it. It literally cuts to black. Yeah. It's, I, I like the, uh, the brutality with the, the, in, in which the film begins and ends. Like, there's no messing around. There's a, it's, it's a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. And bang, we're out of here.
2: Yeah. I, I think the transformation of. of Jeff Goldblum is good. Not just like physically. I mean, although I think the makeup is incredible. I think just the way he becomes
4: a proper dick. Yeah. Like, we, apparently flies are dicks as well. That's, uh, I didn't that's, know
2: that. Well, exactly.
4: Yeah, well, they're horrible in restaurants. That's true. They, they, don't, they don't pay the they're bill properly. They're very loud at the table. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why I hate fly tipping.
1: Oh, man.
4: <laughs> didn't, didn't really work. But Did you write that on the tube please. as well? Is that written down?
1: Nice. Okay, <laughs> you just came up with that. Okay. 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 He looks Oof. so pleased with
2: you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was a bit of tension. The, but the bit where he, be, he like when he's in the arm wrestling competition, he goes, "If I beat you, the lady I comes home with me." Then she's
1: like, "Who says?" <laughs> and then she's like, "Okay, cool."
2: <laughs> I, I like Tonya when she turns up though, because like, he, like he literally walks out the door with her after, and he's, he's like he's like, "Yeah, so I just ripped your
4: boyfriend's bone out mm. of his arm." Shall we go back to mine? She's like, "Mm, let's hit a few bars first. (laughs) Priorities. (laughs) Have you ever walked into a bar, though, where two men are arm wrestling? No, I have not. No, I mean, (laughs) no.
1: If I did, I would leave.
4: Did you like the fact that Seth Brundle takes the same approach to dressing as you do? And Albert Einstein does. Yes, yes,
1: yes. I know, I saw the quote and I was like, I meant to pick you up on it at the time whenever you said it a few weeks ago. Is that where you
4: got it from? Of course do you it think? is. The fly, rather than no, being that's... a scholar of Albert Einstein. I got it from yeah.
1: Albert Einstein. No, In he England. didn't. He got it from the fly. <laughs> he did, And didn't also he? at the time I was like, how dare you? equate yourself with Albert Einstein because you were... Who? Him or me?
4: (laughs) So in case people didn't listen to that episode or haven't seen the film, what is the principle there, Alex? I wear the same jeans, boots and a variety
2: of black T-shirts on a daily basis because, like Albert Einstein... Like Albert Einstein. I don't want to... And Brundlefly before he's Brundlefly. I don't want to have to waste mental energy on deciding what to wear each day so I can commit that energy mm-hmm,
1: to making the to, world to, the podcast. to doing
2: something great. So in many ways, like Brundle creates his telepods, uh-huh. I have created this telepodcast.
1: Shut up. So it's not
2: because... <laughs> Fly tipping, everyone.
4: <laughs> That's fair. So it's not because you want to look like you're a member of The Strokes.
2: <laughs> you are obsessed with me being in The Strokes. That is like the sixth time this week you've gone. <laughs> the Strokes, though, eh? You wish.
4: <laughs> I don't. You wish. You clearly wish. <laughs> But I mean, it it does work um, narratively in the film because we they make a big deal of him wearing the same clothes every day, and then as he starts to transform into the fly, he changes his clothes for the first time. He puts time. on
1: a check shirt and yeah. he looks better for
4: oh, it. No, doesn't. He wear a, like a, a leather jacket without a shirt. Without underneath? a shirt, yeah. He goes
1: to that bar and he's like, "Hey, everyone!" It's like, "Oh, you've got no top on."
4: And nice you know that's leg. how Goldblum dresses in real life. Yeah. He's
1: like, "This is how I always have, have you ever an arm have you met
4: Goldblum?" I, do you know what? I actually no, I don't think I have. I've written a script for him. Did he what? ask you to? Uh it was part of uh the promotion of um Independence Day two. Uh I we we f- we filmed a fake advert with him. Um which I wrote the script for, which oh, is super nice. exciting. Hearing yeah. and watch, I went to meet with him and he and he watched him I watched him record um our ad. That's
3: cool. Yeah.
4: And he was brilliant. He was good. He he uh improvised lines off the top of it which were better than anything I wrote. Oh no. Which he's done in this film as well. I they, bet he has. The scene where he's pouring the sugar in the cafe, yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: uh which is quite a long speech of his, the first half was Cronenberg. The second half he wrote the night before in the hotel room and they and, and on the on the DVD they show you uh what was written for him and then what he came up with, and it is is effortless And be- what he wrote Was better than what Cronenberg came up with
2: I think he's a very clever man He's a smart guy Yeah, absolutely
4: mm. Absolutely Hey, shall we do the bits? Yes, let's do the bits
2: Okay, let's do the bits So, uh, let's start with MVW Your most valuable Whatever
4: What could it be In this movie, Chris? Uh, Jeff Goldblum As Seth Brundle uh, Obvious But um, The production wanted him Cronenberg wanted him And the studio didn't But I don't think this would happen now, but the head of the studio literally said to Cronenberg, this is a mistake. We don't think you should cast Jeff Goldblum in this role, but it's your mistake to make. Go and do it. Wow. Which is remarkable. And you can't imagine anyone else <laughs> in that role now.
2: So, so, so basically what the studio head was, was doing was going, we didn't need to have this meeting because I'm going to let you do what you want to do anyway. But I'm going to object. I'm going to go on record. Yeah, as, so, yeah, so I a don't idea. get fired. So, right, so I can say I told is. you so yeah, as well. Okay, I, I, I believe
4: Michael Keaton was in the running, which would have been an interesting well. choice. Mel Gibson. I, apparently,
2: Mel Gibson turned this down to do *Lethal Weapon*. Oh.
4: Hmm. But you can believe that um, Jeff Goldblum is the cleverest man in the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think he brings. Uh, intense intelligence, but also an insecurity and you buy into the jealousy that causes all this trouble and he's quite vulnerable. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's inspired casting and I think it really makes the film work.
2: It works because you do, you feel sorry for him at the end. Even though he's like uh, dissolving like Stathis's bits, he is, you still like... there's that bit, I don't remember him being this sort of Quasimodo Phantom of the Opera figure, like where he's looking down on them from the ramparts of his yeah. his <laughs> castle. Uh, <laughs> and like You're like, oh, this... I don't remember the bit where he smashes through the window Neither in the hospital. Neither did I. That's
1: insane. Insane. Like, why is the wall of a hospital made of glass for a start?
2: <laughs> it is, that's the only time
4: when I was like, this yeah. is a bit. And now. he, like,
1: sort of hops away like a big <laughs> frog. <laughs> <laughs> but,
4: that, but, that, but that is, like, your hunchback or yeah. or phantom moment, exactly. isn't it? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
4: Uh, what's yours, Chris? Uh, I just did mine. Vicky. <laughs> that's what I meant, Vicky. She's the other
2: one. Thanks.
1: She's the other one. I like Stephis. I thought... Yeah. Um, because of the lines you get, like the total commitment to like being a dickhead. So when he says to her, like, you know, obviously you're breaking up with me, but can we still have sex? And she's like, <laughs> shut up. And it's like, fair enough. You know, don't ask, don't get, whatever. Um, Does anyone
4: know what the actor's called?
1: John, yeah. Uh, John Getz, uh, is it?
4: What happened to him? He
2: was the editor of the Chronicle in Zodiac as his sort of biggest other oh. role. And he's done a lot of TV stuff.
1: And I like the other line when she's co- sort of confided in him that Seth has turned into a fly. And he's like, oh, that sounds really dreadful. He doesn't say that. It's not a quote. And then he's like, can I reclaim your body after this is over? It's like, take a fucking day off, man. But whatever. And also, it's the 80s. You know, you need a man for certain things. You should throw your lot in with the only man in America who can procure an abortion. Because you might need that one
2: In the middle of the night.
1: She's like, I need an abortion. He's like, I can't do this right now. It's like, can you not? I don't understand why you're not allowed to, but whatever. Different times.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, they, I was going to go with Stathis, but the, I have a problem because when he makes a joke and she calls him, she goes, "You're a petty schmuck," mm. and then he laughs and he go he goes, "Ha ha ha," he <laughs> <a> snort laughs. <laughs>
1: I mean, we all do that.
2: I sometimes. don't do that. And if you do it, can you? You should. I don't think it's a character trait. I think as an actor, he probably snort laughs. Yeah, and I'd have gone. Sorry, can I do that again? Because I snorted. But he does. He goes. <laughs> he goes. Ha ha.
4: Like a like a, a um, laughing pig. No,
1: see now you're making me feel awkward because I do that. Oh, don't feel awkward. You I pull think it we off.
4: all do it sometimes. Even if Alex claims he's never done it, He's never done, done it. it. I sort of I sort of whistle after. I go. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: that's my that's my curse. Uh, I'm going with. <clears throat> I love the fact that Gina Davis's character does something I can't do, which is smoke fucking Marlboro Reds. Oh, God. Those are strong cigarettes. But... I used
1: to poke a hole in them, because sometimes you couldn't get, like, back in the day, Marlboro Lights. Mm. And so you could take the back of your earring, if you really had to, and prod a hole in the filter, just so you didn't. And bear in mind, you were like 16. You can handle a lot of smoke when you're <laughs> 16. But everyone was just like... Whoa! Fresh so... lungs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is disgusting, obviously. Yeah.
2: So, uh, my uh, my most valuable whatever is going to be uh, the ashtray in her flat.
1: It's full. It's the biggest it's ashtray yeah. in the
2: world. It's a giant metal palm frond that is the length of her <laughs> coffee table. And I was like, I gotta get me one of those. Yeah.
1: But she doesn't empty it because just people just didn't care. Like her whole house must stink. Yeah. She smokes a lot. But then there's no she's not like, I'll just tip those in the bin every day. Like I'm just gonna collect them.
2: So when she comes back and she finds Stathis in her shower and yeah. she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? It's like, I actually just came around for thirty seconds and now I stink of smoke, so I'm having a shower. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right then, uh best scene.
1: Um I it's not one scene. Well, it's kinda of one scene, but basically the sort of first the, the opening section. So within two minutes at this science expo thing you get that there's going to be something between them and you want to spend more time with them. And and that's really important because obviously the story is framed within a love story. So if you didn't want to spend more time with them and you didn't believe for a second that they would go back with each other, it's it's done, it's all over, you don't give a shit. So mm-hmm. I think it's very economical and it's impressive the way that, obviously they've got a lot of chemistry, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just think that's really impressive just to get on with it.
4: Chris? Would you have gone home with him? Mm. Yeah. Would you? Well,
1: because I love coffee, so yeah. Expresso? I love (laughs) espresso. And if you were that
4: girl on the bar later in the movie, would you have gone home with him? No.
1: Because his face is not in a good place. He's got no t shirt on and he's tried to buy me. And those are things I don't
4: like. (laughs) $100 in an arm wrestle. I'm yours. (laughs) That's what I mean. I mean, I'll go with that scene because that was the talk of the playground. I can literally remember people like older friends' older brothers saying, oh, have you seen The Fly? It's the film where he goes to a bar and he arm... I'd heard so much about that scene for about 10 years before I saw it. And it actually lived up to what people had said in terms of him, you know, snapping a guy's arm off. That's it.
2: A hundred percent. It's that scene for me as well. Yeah, it delivers. It's like in a movie that is full of body horror. I don't remember him walking backwards, dragging her to the teleporter as his skin falls off and the fly head emerges from his skull. And you'd think that would be the thing that you go, there's that scene in it. It's the arm wrestling scene mm. where the bone comes out. Because so. that's
1: the thing, cause it's stuff that could happen. Mm. But with mm. the minute, like na- nails peeling off, stuff like that, you- oh. and you're the same with teeth, like, those are things that could happen to you. So you have I that I saw it revulsion. happen once
4: um, on the telly in uh, the, Br- fly. the World's Strongest Man. They have oh. an arm section, and a guy literally his bone snapped out. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrible. Oh, oh man! And Back that 10 is, years ago. I'd say that's oh. why I
2: don't arm wrestle. That is why one I of don't many reasons. I, I mean, thought that yeah. was
4: going to be today's quiz. Me and you arm wrestling.
1: I had a hundred pounds on it, so.
2: <laughs> and I'd go home with you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Good day all round.
2: <laughs> all right, uh, my yeah, mine's the arm wrestling scene too. Finally, what would you change?
1: I would change. I know it's uh, controversial, but and it might be a modern thing to say. But when he gets into the telepod, he sees the fly and he goes, he goes like, five, four, three, two. Yes! Goes, no! Yeah, yeah. That's what I
2: would do. I'm like, it's not the biggest telepod. He, that thing is flying around at yeah. that point. Yeah. When they do the digital recreation, it's like, it's right next to his bloody head. Yeah. He'd be like,
1: fuck! Yeah, and you can't <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Perfect.
2: That would be great. If it paused, like if he teleported halfway through fuck, he'd be like,
1: fuck! And then come out, <laughs> 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 fuck! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: It's a great idea. Oh, you're welcome, David Cronenberg. <laughs> uh, go on, Chris, what's yours? Uh, I mean, I actually would want to see this, but it would be fun to see the fly fly. I would mm. like him to have maybe sprouted wings and flown off. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would have yeah. been fun, but yeah, it yeah. would have ruined the film.
2: Um, I mean, as much as uh, I'm... Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I think it was the right thing to take it out. There is there's no part of me that doesn't want to see a mutant cat baboon, mm. uh, a cat monkey, walking mm. around. But actually, it's a bit of research I did, because I love the uh, the vomiting on Stathis uh, scenes. And then I found out what the fly vomit was actually made of. And it doesn't sound that bad. It was made of honey, milk and eggs. And you're like,
1: oh. Like a sort of hair mask, right. almost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or, 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 you know, I mean, be hungry unless you're a vegan, that's not a nightmare. So. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I wish I didn't know that because it makes it less grotesque. Uh, that is The Fly. Any more for any more? No. Great stuff.
0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: Over to you, Victoria, for Hellraiser.
1: I watched Hellraiser, where a man in seeking to sate his boundless sexual desires ends up nailed to a slimy torture column with his face torn off, then enlists his ex-lover in a murder spree to put flesh back on his wet bones. <laughs> so beware puzzle boxes. Harmless mind games for the inquisitive or enchanted portals for sadomasochistic interdimensional demons. Put it this way, if Chris asks you to play Jenga at his house, say no. <laughs>
4: Oh, that's a lot. I've got to think... Can you say it all again?
3: I'm sorry. I've been pissing myself.
1: 12 hours. I'm really sorry. It doesn't even make any sense. Put it... this: Jenga's not a puzzle box. It doesn't matter. Put it this way. If Chris asks you
2: to play Jenga, say no. At his house, specifically. If Chris asks you to play Jenga at his house, just say no. Yeah,
1: it is dilapidated I house. <laughs> I do have Jenga <laughs> at home. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it again. Jo- jo- um, is
2: really good at it. Is she now?
1: <laughs>
2: She's one of the ones who hasn't gone missing.
1: <laughs>
2: I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. Within these walls, the unholy... Is Unleashed Hellraiser, a film
3: by Clive Barker, will tear your soul apart.
1: Uh, So, I was very, (laughs) I was really excited to talk about this film. I'm going to get this story out of the way because it's really embarrassing Mm. and it makes it clear what a twat I am. Um, is this
2: what you couldn't say or weren't going to say yeah. to start? So
1: when you, and you were like, oh, we're going to do Hellraiser. I was like, oh, and then I, this all came flooding back. I thought I'd seen Hellraiser because the poster is so familiar. Mm. Basically, everyone of our, I feel like everyone of our age, like, you know that poster so, mm. so well. I thought I'd seen it when I was younger so much that I went to a Q&A with Doug Bradley when I was at college because I was like, I've seen that. That would be interesting. <laughs> then when I was in the audience, I was like, I haven't seen it. <laughs>
2: So what had you seen? I don't did, you, did, you, did you put your hand up and go? Sorry, Doug, are you going to talk about Hellraiser at any point? <laughs> He's like, this is the what? worst bit.
1: The worst bit of the story it was like I was sat with my friend, and the questions because obviously, and I can't bear not being the centre of attention for five minutes. And I was like, God, I'm so bored. I'm so bored because I haven't got a fucking clue what anyone's talking about. And the questions are really boring. And my friend was like, Ask a stupid question because we we're barely, we we're like sixteen, we're like, idiots. Ask a stupid question. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, we it's love
4: it. those people at Q&As, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. we're hosting oh brilliant. Then, oh, we do. Go on, V. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm mortified with this. I don't think this is funny. Oh, but no. finally, everyone's like, oh, so talk me through the anatomy of the scene or whatever. And I was like, Doug, Doug. And he was like, yeah. And then I was like, um, what would you say your favourite soup is? And obviously, the, it just went silent. Me and my friend are like, oh, "Where's the fucking funny. And he's like, don't be a dick. But didn't say that. And mm. he very graciously answered the question. I thought that was the funniest thing that I'd ever done in my life. And then Hellraiser then brings all these emotions back for me of like, I thought I was funny, and then shame and confusion. And I hadn't seen this film, very much not. So just
2: for the record, what is mm. pinhead actor is Doug it? Bradley's favourite soup? It's, Do you remember?
1: He, he said it was tomato soup. but it's, First answer that came into his exactly, head. Exactly. Yeah, didn't mean it. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, Blood red. Yeah. No, I, I know
2: what tomato soup looks like. <laughs> but I think, I mean, it's, what's your favourite soup, Chris? Chicken Don't broth. answer it.
1: It's a stupid question. No. That's the point. <laughs> it's really stupid. I feel so embarrassed Chicken about broth. it. Is Is it really? Mm. It's broth a soup? Yes. Yep. It? Yes. It's not broth.
2: Yeah. I think we're getting off the track. Yeah. Here. Okay. Um, okay. So yes, uh, Hellraiser original working title: Sado Masochists from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> Sometimes the first idea is the best idea. <laughs> Love that title. So this was Clive Barker, the horror author's uh, directorial debut that he decided to do because he had two other movies uh, that I didn't bother to look at the names of uh, that he calls Abominations made mm. of his work. And he was like, screw this, I'm doing it. One yeah.
4: of them was called Rawhead Rex. Oh, I uh, have heard yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, not good. He
1: so. said if they turned out all right, he would have been happy to be a screenwriter for the rest of a writer for the rest of his life. But he was appalled by how they turned out. So he decided he was going to direct the Hellbound Heart, which is his novella, and then he turns that into Hellraiser.
2: And it's a hell excuse the pun, hell of a debut. I mean, Mm. I I watched it years ago and I remember being very scared. I watched it this time and I wasn't scared. And the one bit that I remember, you know how you remember one scene that we were talking about with the fly? The scene that I remember as a kid is with uh, the creature that I think is called the engineer, but I didn't know that at the Mm. time. It's the big scorpion fetus.
1: I like to call it a penis prawn.
2: Penis (laughs) prawn, scorpion (laughs) fetus, Chris? Uh, The engineer. Great, great. Yep. Got to get that fact in. Um, yeah, so that thing, when it's coming down the corridor, mm. pulling itself against the walls, along the uh, walls, chasing the little daughter, that was the m-
4: moment that I remembered that really scared me. Is that because you could see the bloke behind him on <laughs> wheels? You can see, it's so clear, you can see the wheels and someone pushing it. No. <laughs> it's such a shame. Which, I mean, that's hard to say that because what I think the, one of the most remarkable things about it is that this film was made for a million pounds. Mm. At the time? Yeah. yeah, which is unbelievable when you consider how good it looks.
1: But that's a lot of money at the time. Though. Not,
2: really. Not really. This was nineteen eighty-seven, so you're talking about movies being made for fifty million plus. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was because it was Roger Corman's film company that gave him the money.
4: New World. Yes, yeah. New World, and they. It was of... originally Branson. Was it really? Yeah, it was going to be a Virgin film, but when they read the script, they changed <laughs> their mind. Oh. <laughs> they were up for doing a horror film with Clive Barker until they read yeah. it, and they were like, "Yeah, we can't do this."
2: So let's establish uh, how the action takes place pretty much in one house. So uh, a newlywed, uh, not a newlywed, a couple have moved from New York to apparently somewhere, somewhere? In, in, in America.
1: But is it though? Because the house is clearly a, a British English house.
2: So interesting fact, it was shot in England.
1: It was shot in, uh, this is so distracting, in basically my mother in law's old house. Like, not literally. <laughs> But it's so, she's, that family are from the 1930s, yeah. nice little suburb of London house with the stained glass windows, the narrow staircase, everything is exactly the same. And it was, re, I mean, it was, it was so off-putting. So
2: it's a family home that uh, this husband and wife, uh, she's clearly not happy going there. She wants to be in New York, but he's dragged yeah. her there and it's a family home. And they find out that their his brother, the, uh, the deviant, Frank, Frank. Has uh, been, Frank. yeah. He's been hanging out in the attic, exploring uh, sexual pleasures with the use of this puzzle box we see him pick up at the start at some sort of ancient Indiana Jones style Moroccan market. Market. Best thing about that scene: how filthy his fingernails are. I knew you'd
1: are. pick up on that. He's yeah, clean your fingernails, right. dude.
2: Yuck. But I think that's. I think it's very clever. It's the suggestion that he's so into disgusting sexual <laughs> gratification that he doesn't even bother for with hygiene anymore. He's literally filthy. Yes. Yeah. In every sense, that's what you meant. Yeah. Right. Got it now. Got mm-hmm. it now. I'm with you. I'm here. So, um, so yeah, he gets his puzzle box. It releases the cenobites, uh, which are these demons from hell who give you this amazing pleasure, but simultaneously kill you and keep your soul.
1: Yeah. They you can't. Mm, they can't tell the difference between pleasure and pain, or or Frank can't tell the difference anymore, or something. Yeah. like that. I wasn't very really clear on that. So it
2: turns out that the wife has previously had an affair. Yes, she has.
1: And what I will say now is um, you you see that Julia, she's called Julia, she met Frank and I would say never trust a man leaning on a doorframe in the rain (laughs) because (laughs) no good will come of that. He's
4: probably wearing white socks as well,
1: wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) she opens up she's like, hello, Julia's residence or whatever. And he's like, leaning, dripping wet through, I'm Frank. And it's like, don't let him in, don't let him in. And they have, I couldn't decide if it was one really great afternoon or lots of great afternoons.
4: Well, the first time uh, or one of the times is literally on her wedding dress. That is so
1: impractical. They have are, sex are you gonna, on her
4: wedding dress. Before she's married, Yeah, which is
1: silly because when you get after you get married, you always dry clean that thing anyway. So maybe wait because are you going to dry clean it before the wedding? And that's really suspicious. I don't know. It just yeah. didn't seem.
2: Well, let's talk through that scene because it, it, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, he's like the sleaziest man in the history of cinema when he's leaning on the door and he's like, can I come in? <laughs> can I come in? Do you have a towel? <laughs> This is not my real voice <laughs> yeah. because he was an English actor, yeah. Sean Chapman. That they, New World, said,
4: "Yeah, we're going to relocate to America, dub him." Yeah.
2: So it's not his voice. It's well, they
4: they dub most people in the yeah. film, the which is quite people, distracting, it's isn't so it? So obvious
1: yeah. as well. Yeah,
4: it doesn't. It does not work because you never for a second think. You're in America. No. I don't know what that is. There's just something grey about England that there's, there's, is instantly recognisable. Yeah, it was just
1: the house. And then at one point, Kirsty's walking through the docks and it's like, it just looks like <laughs> <Yeah>. England.
2: <laughs> so Frank has an affair with Larry's wife, Julia, his brother's wife, Julia, uh, and comes up with uh, genuinely one of the worst things to say post-coitus, uh, which mm. is, it's never enough.
1: Yeah. Immediately
2: rude. afterwards, it's never enough. I mean, that's up there with, uh, shall I call you a cab? <laughs> uh, like it's g- genuinely one of, the, one of the one of the not unsaid things. It's it's like, sorry, remind me of your name. <laughs> one of those.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think I might have pooped. That's up there.
1: Oh dear. Yeah,
2: but this movie does have uh, a, a number of things which should never be said post sex mm-hmm. because when the daughter and her new boyfriend Steve have sex, uh, she uh, she wakes up moments later and goes, "Daddy." Again, they, don't... They're,
1: like, they're in separate beds, aren't they? But I
2: think the suggestion is they've... they've I mean, that's I weird. mean, I didn't
1: get it because, yeah, why has he got two single beds in his room? Is he running a hostel? <laughs> I, I
2: well, that. I think what you pointed out there is how underdeveloped Steve's character is. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. He turns up and you think he's going to die because he's a douche. He's over, awful, yeah. Over dinner...
1: He says to... Kirsty, the daughter, in front of her dad. Yep. What does he say? Like, oh, drink more and yeah. get on your back, or some fucking dreadful. No, she.
2: He's, he goes. He goes. He goes. Drink some more of this. And yeah. She goes. Oh, I won't be able to stand up. And he goes. Well, then lie down. Yeah, in
1: front of her dad. Yes. Oh, excuse <laughs> me, Steve. Fuck, did you just say?
2: Um. So I. I think the big thing we have to establish is in the loft of this house, it, Frank's undead corpse is reanimated after Larry's blood is spilled. Julia goes. I still fancy
4: you mm. because
2: mm. you're such a sexy, sexy skinless walking
4: corpse <laughs> yeah um, i mean I, barry norman did not like this film i have some quotes for a bit of it but but for that sequence he says that he looks like an obscene immobile raspberry ripple
1: <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true
4: yeah
2: i mean what i love is the fact that even though he's got no skin and his organs are on display uh, I, I mean he should clinically be dead mm. um He's still like, Hey, how you doing, Julia? <laughs> I know, he's fucking men.
1: <laughs> the distance he covers, he's like, I think he does say, Don't look at me, don't look at me, look away. And then one murder later gets a bit of skin, he's like, Come here, I'm gonna put my fucking finger in your mouth. <laughs> like, Jesus.
4: know what you're gonna say then.
1: <laughs> and it's like and then
2: and then I just really then he starts wearing like 70 suits.
1: Yeah, I like that
2: though. (laughs) But Dan really needed a scene where he walked to like the boxes that are in storage next door and it's like him trying on different suits. Like, what offsets having no skin? How long have
1: I been away? I don't know. (laughs) Like, things must have changed.
2: Yeah. Uh, Julia then brings him uh, Various. She basically picks up uh, loser or nasty
4: guys in some cases. Very clearly British men. Yes. Um, they look. There's something about their chubby baldness.
1: Yeah, And, and, and their sadness. white pants and all of that.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Drags them back to the loft uh, on the promise of sexual intercourse. And <laughs> yes. then Frank sticks his fingers in the neck and sucks out all hmm. their fluids for
1: yeah. m- making She him. bashes them over the head with an axe. Uh, and know-
4: every, every drop of their blood. Uh, puts more flesh on his bones. Right.
2: Mm. Do you know how many scenes in movies we've had to do recently where people get their freaking teeth knocked out? Ugh. The first guy in this, it's a hammer to the teeth, and yeah. you see, his t- like, mm. Mm. apparently they had to cut a scene there to get um, uh, a rating that mm. was uh, acceptable for the um, the British Board of Censorship, where, where cause there was a shot of him with a hammer embedded in his head and a shot of like teeth being literally knocked out with a hammer. So they got rid of those. They got rid of those. They also got rid of. Um, a scene in the flashback scene, you know, the sexy scene where he's having the, Julie's having the affair Mm -hmm. with Frank. And uh, there's sort of two versions of this. Uh, One is um, Clive Barker sort of talks about it, where he said uh, he had to take some stuff out of the flashback scene uh, for the, uh, the censors, uh, shorten some of the violence and take out the spanking. Oh, OK. Uh, and then there's another quote where he's a little more direct about what they had to take out. And he was like, they wanted to substitute uh, one kind of undertow for another. I had a much more explicit sexual account, uh, encounter between Frank and Julia, but they said, no, let's take out the sodomy and put in a flick knife. <laughs> Sorry.
4: <laughs> well, the BBFC kept telling him that it was too that shocking. It was just the
1: letter, because it would have been a letter back in the day. Hey, Clive. <laughs> Replace sodomy with flick knife. Best. BBFC.
2: Well, they, they kept things telling. I never thought I'd write. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the life of a censor. Not all heroes were cakes, guys. But he shouldn't be using a flick. He takes off a
2: bra with a knife. I'd be like furious. I'd be like, yeah. you know how much this costs? That's what
1: I'm saying. I'll how many of these do you think off. I've got? Yeah, just ask. You can ask me in a like authoritative way. You can use the knife to ask, whatever. <laughs> I will take this off.
2: <laughs> yeah. At least the first guy that she drags back to be eaten by Frank is uh, an awful guy because yeah. he like you think he's a little bit naive at first, and then when she's like a bit nervous because she's like I don't really want to kill you, mm. and then he's like You're not gonna fucking change your fucking, change mind, mind, fucking mind, are you? woman. I want to fuck. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> and then um, and then she goes Yeah, yeah you're dead you'll now. Do. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris, mm-hmm. how do you feel about all the loft stuff? Did you like it? I love the bit where the thing where Frank first comes out of the floor by the way. The
4: effects in that are incredible. I mean, what I'll say about both these films is it's incredible puppetry work. It's a real, you know, there's no CGI in either of these movies because we're pre that era, and uh, you can see why people say they want practical effects because there's something tangible about that that creature emerging from the ground. Um, It's true. What do you think? While we're talking about effects,
2: let's 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 introduce. um, the Cenobites.
4: Mm. I want to call them the villains, but they're not really, because Frank they're is just the villain. They're doing their job. They're yeah. doing their... No, equally... Exactly. That is their culture. And they've been summoned to do what they do. So. They say it repeatedly. Um, well, I, the, the Cenobites, a bit of background on them. Mm. They are theologians from a religious sect in hell known as the... Do you know what it's called? Uh, sexy, sexy time. It's called the Order of the Gash. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm genuinely... Wait, that's true. Within the movie or within the book, he within created book. that one. Yeah, yeah, they're the called book. The Order of the Gash. That's that's in the book. Mm. Uh, and they, dis- <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm not making it up. You're I'm looking not, at me sorry. like I've made I'm it up. I'm not saying you're making it up. Had I known that at the time,
2: I'd have had a better question than one about soup. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, tell me about this
4: gash. Tell me about this gash uh, they describe themselves as explorers in the further regions of experience. Um, and Clive Barker on the commentary calls them agents in the art of refined pleasure and pain. Mm. Um, I
2: like the design Um, Clark hmm. Barker says he wanted to do an equivalent of Freddy Krueger's fedora and striped sweater and burnt face in terms of Pinhead's uh, look and he says uh, the Cenobites look was inspired by S&M clubs yeah, on, the, no shit. <laughs> on the S&M sliding scale I'm probably a 6 there was an underground club called Selbok 28 in New York that had a very hard S&M night no drink no drugs they played it very straight it's the first time I saw people pierced for fun it was the first time I saw blood spilt the atmosphere definitely
4: informed Pinhead. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Yeah, he wanted them to be punkish and priestly, and he told the designers that they should have exposed areas of flesh where torture has occurred. And he said he wanted them to look like magnificent super butchers. <laughs> <laughs> Band name. called it. Band name. We
2: are magnificent super butchers. Hello, Cleveland. Um, I forgot to say that resurrection scene we were talking about where Frank comes up from the floorboards mm-hmm. it was Bob Keane who worked on Star Wars that did the
4: effects ah. work on that
2: so uh, that's probably why it's so good.
4: Mm. Mm. Um yeah. I like him though. So you've got uh he didn't really have a name in the book the pinhead character. Mm. Uh well, he didn't some... have a
2: name in this. He was yeah, just you know, called the exactly.
4: Yeah, some people call him priest. Uh Clive Barker says he has a name which he hasn't revealed. Interestingly in the book uh he had a woman's voice. Okay. Um and obviously, he very much does not in this film because the voice that Doug Bradley uses is such a, a big aspect of why this character works. Yeah.
1: I mean, do they have a gender? Like, not an agenda, sorry, that's my accent. Mm-mm. Gender. An agenda? As in, today we're going to... No,
2: gender. (laughs) So, guys, gather round. Uh, First up, we've got this rumour going around that Frank might still be alive. It it might
1: be in America. It might be in um, (laughs) Honor Park. We're not
2: sure. (laughs) Sorry, chattering, Cenobite. Can you fucking stop chattering? Because those teeth are really annoying. I'm trying to hold a meeting.
1: No, a a gender. Mm. As in, um, an identity aligned with sex organs. I think
2: so, because there is a female Cenobite who's listed as female mm. Cenobite, but I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not
1: sure. but then what makes her female? Oh, she's got eyeshadow on, sorry. What, what am I saying? <laughs> sorry, off moment. Sorry, was she's that probably thing bit... leading up to...
4: <laughs> she's probably a bit moody once a month as well. That's what makes her... For
1: seven days. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, sorry, I was going to say something, but I'm not. Uh, Doug Bradley says um, uh,
2: he was actually originally offered two roles. He'd been friends with Clive Barker since high school, and uh, he was offered one of two roles. He was Pinhead, or he was going to play one of the delivery men. Yeah. You know, the leery delivery man It was like, yeah. You got any beer? Mm, your daughter has your mother's looks. <laughs>
4: Who's uh, actually become, the actor's become a very successful director. Not your mother's looks, her mother's looks. He's directed a bunch of um, uh, Oscar Wilde movies, oh, adaptations. What's yeah. He called? Oliver. Wilde. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> the, what, the delivery man? Yeah, yeah. Really? I forgot his name, sorry, but. Uh,
2: well, he said, um, he's Doug Bradley said, there was no doubt in my mind that the unnamed guy with the pins in his head had a certain je ne sais
4: quoi that Mattress Guy didn't deliver. <laughs> he should be called Nailhead, for the record. Yeah. They tried yeah. pins and they were too small and yeah. didn't look good, so they put, they used nails, so he, he's actually Nailhead.
2: And what do you make of the daughter? Because she's kind of the hero of yeah. the piece, and I think the actress, is it Ashley Lawrence? Goes, yes. I, haven't, I think I've once... I've seen one other Hellraiser
4: movie because I think there are nine. Yeah, sequels? there are nine. Yeah. So Doug Bradley's Pinhead in seven of them, and right. the, but there's nine altogether. But
1: Clive Barker didn't do any of them. Any no. of them? He
4: was involved with the second one, um, but yeah, and
2: I think he tried to get a remake off the ground. He was writing a remake, but mm. I not keep like stalling. Yeah, yeah. That's been... um, he. Uh, she um, she's in a few of them. I, the one I've seen is there's a one where there's a DJ Cenobites and he fires CDs at a crowd of clubbers. <laughs> I
4: just,
2: I, I, and I was like, I don't know which number That's hell the one razor. you watched?
3: <laughs> this is Jump
2: the
4: Shark very quickly. Because the second one has all the same characters. It's, it's almost like it's a two-parter. It's not as good, but uh, the second one feels like it's part of this story, whereas right. that's...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. It's a DJ Cenobite and his decks fire I'll... CDs at people. I mean, I
2: would
3: go to that club. <laughs>
4: it's you get so high on the danger. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ashley Lawrence. Um, I mean, she's disastrous. I what, think her mean? performance. Are you kidding? Yeah, I think she's, I mean, it's I It's like she she's was... never acted in her life. But, I think it was her first film. But
1: the, the thing is, I understand, when you first meet her, she does seem a bit like she doesn't quite know where she is. But then I thought that was like a nice naivety. Like she's really cute and sweet and sort of innocent. Mm. And then to be, I mean, you've got to think about the, the, what, the work involved in being on a set like that all day, every day. You've just got to look terrified constantly. Mm. And I think she does a really good job of looking terrified constantly. Mm. Yeah,
2: she's thrown some curveballs in it. Like yeah. she has to deal with the uh, grasshopper eating hobo. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I really wish they hadn't picked grasshoppers for that scene because grasshoppers are actually something you can eat, and it's not particularly grotesque. I think if he he's in a pit, pet shop mm. and if he'd reached into a, a cage and pulled out a kitten and bitten its head off, I'd have been like, "That is fucked up, dude." <laughs> Whereas grasshoppers, you're like, Meh, you know, people do that." It's, I've seen celebrity get me out of here, yeah. or
4: I'm a, <laughs> comma I'm a. <laughs> No, you're not. You wish. Um, he's called the commentary. They call him the Vagrant Dragon. Which oh, I think that's is great. a funny name for his character. Good. That is good. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's the protector of the box, isn't he? Um, yes. And he looks like a homeless person. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. So, <laughs> is the hangover kicking in?
2: <laughs> Just going to slow it right <laughs> down. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, uh, towards the end, then oh, shit goes off for uh, Frank because Ashley goes, yo, Cenobites, I know where Frank is. He escaped you. Come get him. And then Frank uh, is disguised as his brother, Larry, which I'm unclear. Is he transformed somehow into Larry or is he literally just meant to be wearing his skin? No, he's
1: wearing his skin because you, you can see, see the, the sort of stitch mm. marks around his... You um... can.
2: Ashley doesn't, though. She's no, not, she, she
1: She's doesn't. like, Dad, are you all right? He's
2: like,
4: uh. Are oh, you buying this? Yeah. And he's <laughs> his yeah. his his Larry skin suit is a bit slack, isn't it? He's having to pull... I, I
1: couldn't look. I couldn't look. Yeah.
4: But then straight after he's kind of pulling the Stop skin in place... That. Stop <laughs> doing that. Um, he has sex, which makes me wonder where else he's slack and what that sex is actually like. Excellent. Where, he have... where else he's slack is going to be. He shags does. Julia. He does shags yeah, Julia. Yeah. yeah,
1: you're right. Which actually mm. is that's quite sweet. If you're thinking about this as a love story, it's quite a sweet thing because she wasn't attracted to Frank because of how he looked. Because... She he now looks like her husband, who she would not not love, but she'd gone off. But from start to finish, Frank has
2: pretty much been an absolute dick to her. Yeah, and, he and has, yet she's yeah. still a when he dips his fingers into her weird <laughs> sentence and goes, <laughs> not that weird. and she's going, "No, no, Frank, not <laughs> me, okay, me. yeah
1: Oh my!" Is a bit Personal.
2: <laughs> her hair gets more and more severe
4: it as really as more and more murders she does.
1: Yeah, really it puts ten years on her. and it do, shouldn't. do you
4: think she was well cast, Claire Higgins, who's a you know very. Uh, acclaimed stage actress. Because yeah. um, I know in the book... Why don't you? Well, in the book, in the in the novella, she is supposed to be uh, the most beautiful woman in the world and no man can resist her.
1: That's a tall order.
4: Now, what I would say for the casting in this is she's not traditionally beautiful is is what I'm going to say.
1: But a quiet power. Mm. Which is what, you know, not not a thing.
4: Do you think that works though? Because in the book she's irresistible. I didn't buy her being irresistible in this film.
1: But I buy the fact that I quite like the fact that it, it made... Sorry, it... who writes a fucking dis- character description as, she's the most beautiful woman in the world? Uh, wasn't it Homer?
3: <laughs> Simpson? <laughs> That's annoyed Is... me that you've said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what to say now. <laughs> I'm going to say nothing. Yeah, face that launched a thousand ships and all that shit. <laughs> um, cool, cool, cool. Helen of Troy, Helen of Troy. He's <laughs> uh, you... clever, isn't he? Yeah, oh, he's so clever. <laughs> Because of Einstein, I think <laughs> he just only wears black trousers. Got time to read Homer.
2: I like the fact that it's, uh <laughs> Yeah, you should try uh, normalise it. It makes them very believable as a couple. Like you believe she would be married to Larry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's something very believable um, about their relationship, and it makes it sort of like it's less like a sort of like stupid
4: like horror movie and sort of like geez.
1: yeah, a real and something, There's something you,
4: real about it. I tell you, who thinks bloody good in this film as well as the guy who plays Larry. Because he's Larry the loser for most of the film and then he, he has to be Frank. Mm. And he, I think it's why he's very sort of um, low-key as Larry because he really dials it up to 11 when he's Frank.
2: And also the guy who plays Frank at the start, Sean Chapman, is not the guy mm. who's in The Loft. That's a completely different actor oh. uh, yeah. who plays um, Frank but, for the monster bit. Who, who
4: uh, he's, comes across very nice in the interviews. He said, I know I'm not good-looking. They just wanted someone skinny. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Um, But yeah, did you recognise the actor who plays Larry? He's got a very famous role from the 70s. Right, so is he in Bewitched? Or uh, Genie? Mm, No. He looks like one of those... He's in one of the most famous films from the 70s. He is Scorpio uh, in um, Dirty Harry. He's the villain in Dirty Uh, Harry. uh, Yeah. Good Good face. Good face.
2: Brother of Two-Face. Wow, it's getting late. Uh, Let's um, move on to the bits. Uh, So, starting with MVW, Most Valuable Whatever. Well, I asked if we could change that for this one. Oh, shit, yeah, sorry. But I don't know if you
4: guys, no one responded. I wanted to be Most Valuable Cenobite. Let's do it. Did people do that?
1: I didn't, but I can't. No, let's not do it. doesn't matter. There's only four to pick from. We
4: can do both if
2: you want, but let's do the best bit of the movie. Uh, the, The most valuable thing in the movie. Okay, and you can do most valuable Cenobite, Chris, because that's what you've prepared, and I, I don't want to throw your curve curveball. You at go first, stage. Vicky. Yeah,
1: um, Kirsty, <laughs> the daughter. I know you don't <laughs> like him. I thought she was really good, so wow. there we
4: are. Um, I'm going to say Chatterer because I think he's funny, and I know the bloke that plays him, Nicholas Vince. <laughs> so a bit biased, but um, yeah, he was supposed to be. Uh, when he talks about it, he said Chatterer is supposed to be like uh, the family dog of the Cenobites. He's very loyal. He's a bit dopey, <laughs> and he will. Attack on command, if if required, mm. and I just think he looks funny. And Chatter is a funny name. I like Butterball. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I don't like the name Butterball though. No,
2: he's the only one who's actually given a name in the in the credits. Like he he's not just like fat yeah. Cenobites. He's mm. like Butterball which yeah. is sort of weird. Oh, no, Chattering Cenobite's given a name as well, actually. But yeah, I got, it's weird because the thing that always bothers me is at the end, she has the puzzle box and she's killing off the Cenobites or sucking them back into the, the puzzle box in their other dimension. And she does it to Pinhead and she does it to the female Cenobite and she does it to Chattering Cenobite. But a ball Cenobite just gets crushed by some by ceiling. Beam, yeah. And you're like, you never see him disappear. It's like, so is he dead? Is he still hmm. in this dimension? He's to on? the floor. Yeah.
4: But I, like, I liked him. Mm he, he, the concept of him's good like he, he's eaten so much that his stomach has split mm. and is stitched together and it's the, I think that's the great... guy at
2: the start of 7. Yes, yeah. gluttony.
4: It is. Gluttony. Uh favorite scene.
1: Uh when Frank is resurrected and just and obviously it's um good choreography and like sort of crawls across the floor and it's fucking terrifying.
4: Mm. Chris? I think it's hard to top the moment at the end when uh Larry slash slash Frank um has his skin stretched off his face. Blech followed by a a fleshy explosion Mm. as he says the words uh, Jesus wept. (laughs) Uh, Famously, it was it was it was fuck you in the script. But Andrew Robinson, the actor, thought that was a bit of a cliche and a bit boring. Mm. So he's the one that came up with Jesus wept. And what do we know about that phrase? It's from the Bible. It's the shortest passage in the Bible. Oh, Uh, the shortest sentence in the Bible is Jesus wept. And it's it's said in regards to Lazarus. Mm. The character in the Bible that comes back from the dead. So thematically, I know that it's a really one. Good, yeah, I know that one. It's yeah. a really good yeah. line. It's my favourite.
1: I know Adam, Eve, Lazarus. Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: It, yeah. It's let there be light, and Jesus wept. They're the classics for sure. Yep. Uh, but they uh, yet again, Clive Barker was forced to uh, cut this scene for mm. for the BBFC. He took out um, Larry smiling and licking his lips before he explodes. <laughs>
2: See, I saw him do that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does still do a little bit of that. Yeah. My problem with it is, I agree that fuck you is a cliche. Mm. Jesus wept because I didn't know all that backstory that you just told us about the Bible, surprisingly. Uh, It doesn't work for me as a line. I think, think, because he is smiling and grinning, I think the line should have been, it was worth
1: it. Yeah. like That
2: works for me. Like Because it's like, I'm actually still so into
4: Into this this. disgusting pleasure-pain mashup that it was
2: worth it. But the
4: point is, he's not. I mean, Frank... Wanted pleasure beyond belief, but then when it actually arrived, it was not what he was expecting it no, to be. No, he says
1: he didn't care. He exp- he does a bit of expositional explanation to do. He's like, got this box off this dude, and it promised me pleasure or pain. He says, and by that point, I didn't care which.
4: Right, because I'm thinking more maybe about the book then. Okay, he's expecting just it to be a massive shagathon, and in the book, when he's pre- <laughs> when he's opening the box and he's prepared the room, he's apparently got um several jugs of urine that he's prepared just in case that's what they're into. <laughs> Generally, what? that's in the book.
1: Ah! Ah! What? It's true. going to say like a little bit of massage oil? No, there is.
4: There's like petals. On. He's strewn petals on the floor. Uh, all these, all these romantic things, no, and like a few jugs of piss. Jugs yeah. of piss? Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. Uh,
4: got some
2: demons coming over. <laughs> Have you got the piss jugs? Al, <laughs> uh, what's your favourite? Piss favorite jugs. Sleep? Band name called it. <laughs> uh, So, uh, I've got a couple of uh, favourite things. First of all, um, there were a few taglines for this that you'll remember from the poster that we all uh, loved, or Vicky and I did, Chris. Oh, you remember it too. Yeah. Uh, The posters were, um, uh, the taglines were, it will tear your soul apart, or he'll tear your soul apart. Tragically underused was another version, which was, Satan's done waiting. (laughs)
1: Really? Yes. That's wicked. <laughs> and satan waiting. Amazing.
4: When they didn't, and also when they didn't want to call it um, Hellraiser, it was going to be called Hellraiser, a love story, but uh, the studio was worried people would think it was a romance and wouldn't, wouldn't watch it. So when they were trying to come up with the title, Clive Barker asked his crew, and uh, an elderly lady on the crew suggested calling it What a Woman Will Do for a Good Fuck. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and Clive said he really liked that because it summed up what he was trying to write.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, I like uh, I like uh, you want it, you want it, fucking have it because that sample is used at the start of the senseless things song homophobic asshole, which I
4: listened to <laughs> as a kid and then found out it was from this movie, uh, which I didn't I didn't know. Well, another famous line from the film is "We have such sights to show you." Mm. And what other film was that line kind of used in? A Toy film... Story Three. <laughs> A film that's actually similar to this film thematically. A great horror film from the 90s about opening a portal to hell. Event Horizon. Yes. <laughs> There's a line in that where they say, I have such wonderful things to show oh, yes. you. I'd never, I never clocked until researching this one. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. He's, I think it's a.
2: Doesn't he say, it has such wonderful things to show us? Isn't he talking about the ship at that point? Not sure. Okay. I, I wrote down something slightly. Different. Okay, no, it's fine. I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh right. Uh what change would you enact upon this film?
1: Um, Kirsty uh, she has to learn a skill in order to kill or send the cenobites back to hell with she basically she randomly opens a puzzle box and then she randomly closes it. And there should be something she learns along the way. It could be confidence, you know, this is silly stuff, but like it could be confidence, it could be manual dexterity, whatever, but she has to learn something. She's like at the moment of pressure, she's like, I can do it. I can do it. And she does it. Not just like, if I fumble with this thing for 20 minutes, it might work.
4: Uh, I think it obviously goes without saying you recast Kirsty. No, you're so mean. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm, don't dub the film. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. And it, it completely takes you out of the movie every time you see a badly dubbed actor. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure about the golden child ending. Uh, you know in the Golden Star <laughs> where Charles Dance turns into the demon I love that and then when the hobo just goes oh by the way I know I've hardly been in it but yeah I'm a demon give me the box see ya uh, it was, was just, it, this the same year as well this was the same year as Golden yeah. um, yeah. just after yeah I think that's uh, a bit weird uh, I really think uh, get get the fuck rid of Steve in the final battle it, uh, he has nothing to offer it should no. be her versus the Cenobites and even she seems pissed off that he's there because when they're fighting the engineer the big scorpion fetus what did you call it a
1: penis prawn
2: penis prawn and it's like attacking them and she's got the box at one point Steve goes to grab the box yeah, off her she like, she like slaps him away it's like Steve what the fuck are you doing <laughs> yeah. get off the b- I've already killed three Cenobites <laughs> with this what do you think you are going to
4: achieve by taking it off me I'm just like Steve back down this yeah. isn't your moment Your dick I also wish they could have followed through with what Clive Barker had planned for this story So his idea to continue the Hellraiser tale was Julia was supposed to become the queen of hell. And she was the ultimate overarching villain of it all. But what happened was audiences didn't embrace her as a character. They embraced Pinhead. Mm. And so it suddenly became the story of Pinhead. allied with the fact that Claire Higgins, who played Julia, didn't like horror films, didn't really want to be in it in the first place did the second one because she was kind of obliged to but she just wanted to get away from it all she so wanted I would...
1: to get away from scenes where she has to have a, wank in a loft is that what you
4: mean she's never <laughs> seen that scene so she's only watched, she watched the first 10 minutes of Hellraiser at a screening and, and then walked out because she just hates horror films wow. and so I, I think it would have been cool if Clive Barker could have followed through his vision rather than having to sort of the story having to go where audiences took it which was the pinhead story. She
1: has a wank in a loft. Do you remember when she's thinking about Frank and she's like, mm, and she's having a little memory? Mm. And then you don't see her hand, but I bet it's gone. Do you know what I mean? Okay,
4: right, right, yeah. right. I was like, I Why z- are you so confused? We've all had a wank in a loft. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for one after this show. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not a prude, I'm wanking no. in lofts <laughs> left,
2: right, and centre. Not often, not mine.
1: But I, I just didn't remember it in this <laughs> movie. That adds to the resale value. <laughs> <laughs> Great wanking space. <laughs>
2: Felix windows are really easy to open from the outside. I'm straight in there. Whoop. Um, all right. Are you ready for a quiz?
1: No. I'll keep it
2: quick. I'll keep it brief. Uh, I've got a quiz, though, because it's always fun to have a quiz.
0: The Mash.
1: They did
2: the Monster Mash. The monster Mash. It was a graveyard they did the Mash. It's inspired by Monster Mash, horror movies, monsters, two monsters in this, but it's called Monster Cash. I'm going to list the top 10 highest grossing horror movies of all time, starting with 10 working to 1, with a description I've given them. You need to tell me what movie it is. So the 10th highest grossing horror movie of all time. Here's the description. What is this movie? It's from 2000. Han Solo and Catwoman share a home, but all is not what it seems. What, what lies beneath?
1: Is the oh, you fucker. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it a description you've made up? Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. I just needed to. Right. To see where I was. I thought uh, yeah, you were going to start the story. Okay. Fine.
2: Yeah. The the pitch to the studio wasn't
1: Han Solo and oh. Catwoman. <laughs> like, oh, are you sure you can get them? Okay. Great. It's all right.
2: I figured out. And uh, he did. If he hadn't got it, I'd be like, sorry, this is my bad. But Chris is all over this shit. Uh, all right. Nine. Uh, uh, this was from 2000 as well. Made $159 million. Not actually a horror movie, so shouldn't be on the list. First one was okay. Blair Se- Witch. Second one was oh. terrible, apart from an Exorcist spoof with James Woods at the start. Third is brilliant with Charlie Sheen spoofing signs. What movie is this? It's the first uh, one. The
1: thingy, the scary movie. Yeah. Oh, very good.
2: Well played. One each. Uh, from eight, one hundred fifty-nine million dollars. Uh, actually, I think these are the domestic totals because that's yeah, they are. They're the US totals. Sorry, not the global totals. Oh
1: goodness me! Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's from twenty eighteen. All takes place in the sleepy town of Haddonfield. This version Halloween. Karen. Karen.
4: <laughs> Karen. <laughs> that was the working title. Let's call it Karen.
3: <laughs> Karen. All caps. <laughs> What are you
2: going to see this weekend? There's a new horror movie out. What's it called? Karen! <laughs> uh, number seven. 176 million in the US. <laughs> no, from 2017. Hey, come and meet my totally woke parents. Who Get aren't... out. Yes. Oh,
4: wow. No, I was literally saying get out.
2: <laughs> Karen! Fuck her off. Okay. 195 million in the US from 2019. Just last year. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it is long. Even without seeing it, I probably am still going to prefer the Tim Curry version than It. It's
1: oh, It's chapter two. <laughs> yes,
2: it chapter two. I'm going to give you both one. Thank you. Um, So, uh, number five, with 232 million in the US. Uh, yo, can we get a priest? Because I've had to tie my daughter to the bed. The exorcist. I think Vicky got it. Yeah, she, she did. Yeah, she did. Um, sorry, I'm not... You didn't exactly. do the year. That's what threw me there. Try, try not to be surprised. Uh, <laughs> apologies. Uh, we'll, we'll recut that with me going, of course, Vicky got that. <laughs> uh, at number four, then. Uh, where are we now? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Chris is on five. Vicky's on four. At number four from 1984, Vicky's favourite film. Ghostbusters.
1: Oh, you...
4: Oh. <laughs> that's weird that I got that. That's it? outrageous. <laughs> where are you? You're it's looking just... at me like it's my fault. <laughs> Karen... <laughs>
1: It's just not how my brain works. I hate this. <laughs> uh, at number three, with two hundred
4: sixty
2: million from nineteen seventy-five, my favourite film.
1: Jaws. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Guy. You both got Vicky's favourite
2: film. I mean, Vicky obviously did. Uh, yeah, Jaws. Chris, Jaws. did you not know? I did know that. Why well, okay. you know, getting the scene. six five to Chris? Uh, at number two, with two hundred ninety-three million worldwide from nineteen ninety-nine, the Chinese translation of the, the Sixth Sense.
1: The Blair Witch Project.
2: The Sixth Sense is right.
1: Oh, wow.
2: The Chinese translation of the title was unbelievably he's a ghost <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's
3: uh, brilliant apologies
4: to anyone who hasn't seen Six yet <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing spoilers for movies in 1999 <laughs> uh, are we up to number one this yeah. is the number one I'm going to go it chapter one yeah you're right bloody hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how is that fair <laughs>
4: <laughs> you could have
1: done
3: it <laughs> yeah,
2: you could have known what I was going to do and researched the highest grossing horror movies that is the quiz for this week uh, Chris is the winner congratulations Christopher We are on to the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! What are you going for this week? Are we going The Fly or are we going Hellraiser as the perfect Valentine's Day movie and also the better of the two? I'll start with you, Victoria.
1: I really want to pick Hellraiser because I had such fun watching it and because of my history (laughs) with that film, it feels like it would be making up for past misdeeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, But The Fly is just a more polished, uh, more enjoyable film and because of Jeff Goldblum's performance as well. So The Fly... Okay, I am going to go next.
2: No, I'm not. I'm going to let Chris do it. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I I don't know why I jumped in there. I (laughs) apologise. Very rude. Very rude of me.
4: Um, I don't really care about anyone in Hellraiser, much as I love that film. I'm much more emotionally involved in The Fly, and I can really empathise and sympathise with those characters. And because it's Valentine's Day, we've got a film about sexual obsession versus a film about love, and I'm going to go with the one about love. The Fly. Uh,
2: oh, that's cute. Well, The Fly is our winner then this week for uh, completion. Because I am a completionist, I am going to go with... Uh, yeah, The Fly. Uh, the Fly. Uh, I thought Hellraiser was great. And I would recommend anyone watching Hellraiser. Yeah. It's a great it's movie. Brilliant. But The Fly is just, you know, it gets you here. I'm pointing to my brain. And here, I'm pointing to my heart.
1: Where you would have a heart.
2: Whereas Hellraiser just gets you here. <laughs>
4: What are you pointing at, Alex? <laughs> why, why are you pointing at your nose? Oh, All over It's meet the feebles. He was pointing at his dick.
2: Cool, 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 cool. Nothing left to the imagination. What's the point of us doing a podcast? We might as well do it on TV.
4: <laughs> That's is like that an option? That <laughs> I wish I'd known about that. Any producers listening? <laughs>
2: uh, right then, that is it. The Fly is the winner this week. Um, who is deciding our movies
4: for next week when I am away? That is a very good question. It is me. Yeah. Yeah. And the... Sorry, that was my computer going, hello. (laughs) You've got an email. I don't. And the films I am going for are Vicky... You have the movie Goal.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> and
4: Alex, you have wow. the movie Escape to Victory.
2: Except I don't have the movie Escape to Victory because I am not here. We have a very special guest on the podcast in my absence who I've told to throw the show, so it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the football rambles. Gorgeous Pete Donaldson sitting in this chair. Pete Donaldson, you have Escape to Victory. <laughs> there you go, uh, which will be a great show. I'm I'm really, I'm so sorry that I'm not here for the football show.
1: Oh. Oh, how did that happen? Yeah, Don't yeah, spoil yeah. the
2: connection. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, it is football week next week, so I'm shooting off. Um, we uh, we would love it if you would uh, rate and review us and also subscribe to us. Uh, we are on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. Back in a oh.